There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hey guys, Steve here. You are listening to one of our original 26 episodes. If you've listened to any of our new episodes, you're going to notice that we're sounding a little different in these ones. Yeah, there's a reason for that. There is. They've been remastered. They have been remastered. Because they had a really annoying hum. Yeah, I mean, a huge thanks to uh, listener James for doing almost all of the legwork on this thing. You'll also notice if you had listened to what we're calling the Lost 26 episodes before and you're re-listening now, the music and sound effects are gone. Yes, we've we've gone back to straight audio. So be warned, we sound a little different today than we do in what you're about to listen to. Yeah. Enjoy. Uh Bye. Okay, bye. Thinking Sideways. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hi, welcome to Thinking Sideways, the podcast. I'm Devin. I'm Steve. I'm Joe. And we're here to talk about a mystery. Another one? Yeah, this one's a little out of my norm. Although, no, I guess that's not true because the other thing that I like other than like middle-aged men who die under weird circumstances Mm. is weird noises that we don't totally know what's going on with. You do. I have a pattern. It's true. It is. It is. It's it's still disturbing to me. Yeah. Yeah. This one should be less disturbing because it doesn't have to do with random deaths. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Nobody dies in the story? Nobody dies. You don't know. I mean, it could be the sound of someone dying. I guess that's true. It could be. So we're going to talk about the bloop. Oh, yeah, you've, you've talked to us about this one before. Yeah, and, you know, every time you kind of go anywhere and think about, you know, it's on all the lists, every single top ten mysteries that nobody can explain mm. on our favorite, like, black well. background, white text websites. Yes. that's It's one of the mysteries. So I thought we'd just talk about it. Well, why bit. not? Let's take it on. All right. Um, there's this thing. It's called the SOSUS, which stands for the Sound Surveillance System. It's a chain of underwater listening posts located all around the world. Um, there's one in Coos Bay, Oregon, which is like really close to us. Even. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a co- there's a bunch up and down the Pacific. You know, they're all over the place, literally all over the place. And originally they were set up during the Cold War to listen for submarines and things like that. Yeah. But they still are used but for that. But they, since the Cold War, instead of just you know, getting rid of them and scrapping them, Mm. they decided that this would be a great thing to use as a research tool to kind of, you know, we haven't explored a lot of undersea anything. So being able to Mm. listen at least to the undersea world seemed like a good idea. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that. No, it is. Actually, but yeah, you know, I saw that in one of those articles and yeah, the the Navy still uses SOSA. Oh, I'm sure they do. They didn't turn it over to private use. They just let, they allow them access to the data. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So I think, I think that's great. Um, one of the arrays is called the Equatorial Pacific Ocean Autonomous Hydrophone Array. Yes, you're welcome. Well, that's a tongue yeah. twister. It is. Say it's, that ten times fast. I can't even hardly say it once. <laughs> so this sound array is located in a remote point in the Pacific Ocean that's just west of the southern tip of South America. Okay. They talk about it being in proximity to Chile a lot. Okay, yeah. Okay, I got a reference for that. All right. 
1997, the Sosis picked up a sound that's um, referred to as one of the loudest sounds ever to be recorded by a lot of sources. Most of those are not particularly reputable sources, but okay. they're pretty interesting sources, and we call it the bloop because it sounds like a bloop. Did you guys want to hear it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I have two versions of it. One is the version which it's only ever officially been released in, which is sped up 16 times. So we'll listen to that one first. Does it sound like a bloop? Well, sounds like a giant whale just sort of go whoop, bloop. And then the second one up, of course. we'll listen to is the sl- it's just the the little bit we're talking about, but it's been slowed down from the released sixteen sped time sped up version. Wait, so let me just let me make sure I get this right in my head because this is this is a word problem. Mm-hmm. So it's released it's sixteen times its original recorded speed. Yes, and then somebody else has gone ahead and taken it, slowed it back down. Mm-hmm. So what this is like, uh, somebody releases a picture. And it's zoomed really, really far in. And somebody says, oh, well, I want to zoom this picture out a little bit so I can kind of see what it might have actually been supposed to be about. But you've only got so many pixels. It's going to be grainy. It's going to be grainy. Mm -hmm. So the sound quality on this one is grating. give that disclaimer was because you know it's not supposed to be metallic it's supposed to just be more of significant of the duration of it and Mm -hmm. um it's totally possible and i don't know the answer to this they probably changed the sound range that it's in because it's really low frequency Mm -hmm. sound range so i don't know to my own discredit, I don't know what the human ear can hear naturally. That might have been the reason for changing whatever. the sound range because it didn't sound that much lower in frequency in the in the slowed down version of it. Yeah, you, would, you would think that it would be. If you slowed it down that far, it should be much, much lower in pitch. Than, yeah. Than so I don't the know what one. the that situation is. Who knows is. what kind of adjustments were done, but right? But I do know um, the bloop rises, quote, rises lap- rapidly in frequency over about one minute and was a sufficient amplitude to be heard on multiple sensors, which range from over um, 5,000 kilometers away. Now that's a little bit of distance. That's a big, big distance. Mm-hmm. So for kind of a frame of reference, one of the things they talk about is that a blue whale or a humpback whale is the loudest recorded aquatic mammal ever, their songs. Um, and the, lo- the biggest distance a whale sound has ever traveled is 800 kilometers so this is what, like five thousand times? Five thousand yeah. kilometers. A little over five thousand, five times more. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that's that's really loud. So it's really loud. Mm-hmm. But lower frequency, um, lower frequency sound waves travel further in the ocean too. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So the analysis initially concluded that it was not a man-made noise, so it wasn't bomb or something. Some kind of machinery or something weird. You know, tip, yeah, or anything like that. Nor was it consistent with any kind of geological activity. Like, there wasn't an underground earthquake that had happened or a volcano erupting or anything like that. Oh, yeah, because that that would make sense. loud, right, Mm -hmm. and travel far. But they said that the sound wasn't consistent with that. And the record of geological activity was also not 
consistent with that at that time. So there's this guy named Dr. Fox, and he was in charge of analyzing this stuff. And he said, initially he said, it might be an ice shift. And then later he updated his opinion to say it was probably of animal origin. But again, we've talked about how big a thing would need to be to create a noise that loud if a humpback whale, which are giant, mm. only creates, well, you know, 800 kilometers yeah, unless, of noise. Unless it was a somewhat smaller sound that was closer to the, to the hydrophones. Well, so the right. thing about that was is that it was recorded at that kind of similar frequency, just, you know, thousands of kilometers apart. Oh, on so more of those mics. On more than one. On ah, more than one mic. It ah, wasn't okay. just one mic. It was a bunch of mics recording a super loud noise that were really far away from each other. I, you know, and I remember reading uh, in one of the articles that I found, they were talking about that if it was an animal that had made that noise, mm -hmm. it would have to be an order of magnitude larger than a whale or at least be something that had some crazy huge sound making apparatus in its body is yeah. the only like, way to, to say it's got he's got to have some kind of crazy vocal mm -hmm. chamber yeah. yeah which nothing is built with that much i mean kind of no, like that anatomically like the, uh, doesn't happen well, it's kind of like the, the aquatic version of the howler monkey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, seriously, maybe, maybe there are such things, you know. Maybe that's I mean, it. It could be. But, 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 but if that was the case, then these, these would be getting picked up on, on hydrophones all, over, all the time. Yeah, so, and that's the other big question mark about this is that it's the only time that a sound like this has been mm -hmm. recorded. Well, right. I actually, but, but addressing the whole issue of this is the only time, I mean, most of... Most of those sound recordings, they're, they're sometimes listened to in real time by, by Navy guys. But a lot of it is just saved. It's just saved to hard drives, saved to tapes, whatever, and later analyzed. And so is it possible? Has anybody actually made a concerted effort to go through the record and see if there are analyzes, see if there are similar noises they in the record? They have just because it's such a loud anomaly. And actually there are five other sounds that are they're all classified as unidentified sounds that have been recorded by these arrays around the world mm. that I'd love to also kind of talk about a little bit in conjunction with this. So besides the bloop, there's the plop, the, the thud, the kerplunk, and what <laughs> no, else? Actually, it's um, it's the Julia, the train, the slowdown, the whistle, and the upsweep. Hmm. And they're they're all released, so we should just like listen to each one of them. Who comes to, up with these names? Well, you'll well, listen to them, and you'll hear why they're called. Okay, these. all right. So here's the Julia. Did you hear how it kind of sounded like a muffled Julia? No. It sounded like a cat purring almost to Something. me. Something. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely like that a kind weird, of weird noise. It's definitely a weird noise. I mean, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm okay with calling it Julia. But <laughs> I don't fair. think it sounds like Julia. So Julia was heard on March 1st, 1999 in the same general location as the bloop was heard. Okay. So the next one is The Train, which was heard on March 5th, 1997, which was the same year that the bloop was heard, um, in the Ross Sea near Cape Andrea, Antarctica.
So the NOAA, which are the only people who released these recordings, mm. only released them at 16 times sped up of, right. of any anomaly. What are they trying to hide? I think it's that's just like the witching hour for all these that like they actually sound like they don't really sound like much of anything at their actual yeah it's just kind of like these really long drawn out whatever so uh the next one is the slowdown the slowdown was heard may 19th 1997 a couple hundred miles north of easter island Now, that one sounds like Julia. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that sounds like a... a, Have you ever been in a subway and you hear the train coming and it slows down? Uh That's exactly... exactly That, to me, would have been the train. They should have called that the subway train. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get the train. I hear the whistle, right? Okay, except for the next one, it's called the whistle. And where did the whistle come from? From 1997, July 7th. um, And it's just southwest of Mexico City. It's like a couple hundred miles southwest of that. The whistle to me just kind of sounds like wind. Mm, yeah, it does sound more. Which like is wind a little weird underwater, right? Like I understand, but it just kind of sounds like. Yeah, wind. it's probably just a fast current over a hydrophone. <laughs> uh, what the, so over a lot of hydrophones, and then there's one more, and it's called the upsweep, and it was uh, recorded on August 1991, slightly southwest of New Zealand. You hear that woo? Yeah, I yeah. think that, that was like being in a swamp with frogs. What yeah. was this called again? This one's called the upsweep. The upsweep, okay. But mm. it's in the middle of the ocean in between New Zealand and Antarctica. So, so now these all happened in the 1990s, uh-huh. all in the southern hemisphere, mm-hmm. right? Hmm. Between what, 91 or 97? Yeah, and you know, I guess the thing is, is that not all of them, actually half of them are close to Antarctica, but half of them are kind of spread out through the rest of the ocean, more close to the equator and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, so they're all over the place. They're kind of all over the place. All right. So there are a couple theories here. One, of course, animal. We've kind of talked about it a little bit. That it would be the vocalization of some kind of living organism. Which still seems... It would have to be a big living organism. Like okay. really mm. big. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I swear in the research when we were going through things, I swear I saw something that one of the one of the articles was talking about, like I had said before, it, it would have to have something that just had some huge noise-making chamber on it, or it was potentially something that lived super far down where the water is A, denser, and B, colder, so that the sound travels farther. Yeah, is, so those were correct? actually, those were absolutely the two kind of theories. One was that it was a sort of like a giant squid type thing using um, like kind of a gas filled sack 
and that it would have like exploded or whatever. Oh, okay. So that was but, one theory. And then the other theory was that it would have been something that was really, that was a deep dweller. But this would have been like really uncomfortably shallow area for something like that to be existing. Yeah. These microphones are not particularly deep down. Well, it, and, and it, uh, first, again, because these are sped up 16 times, so mm -hmm. the original sound would be very, very low frequency. And I, I don't know, I can't, it's hard to imagine any animal that could actually usefully use such low frequency. For example, your perception of that sound. How big would your eardrum have to be to pick up something that low in frequency if you're trying to communicate using sounds like this? I suppose, but I guess, you know, the argument is that it may not be the sound, but the vibration that's important, mm. the vibration that that noise makes. And I don't know what kind of vibrations. Yeah, we don't have a way to, to, you know, to imagine that because we, yeah. we hear in the air, not underwater. But then again, if you, you know, we've all been swimming, you've been underwater and you've heard things and they're very muffled. High frequencies really get dropped down underwater. Mm -hmm. So it would make sense theoretically that lower frequencies would be a better form of communication because you can yeah. pick them up easier. There, yeah, there, I mean, definitely. And that, and that's another thing about these sounds is that they're, you know, inherently distorted by the distances because because, mm -hmm. because high, higher frequencies, and if you have if you have any particular event, there's going to be high and low frequencies. Like take let's take an explosion for example. There's going to be low frequency and high frequency parts of that whole thing. But in the water, the high frequency part of that is going to be attenuated by the distance. Mm -hmm. only, only the low frequency part is going to carry through the entire way to the hydrophone. Mm -hmm. So we're not you know so we're just hearing a, a bit of this sound, right? And not necessarily the actual representation of it. That's sound. absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, the 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. So on top of the animal theory, yeah. also is the Cthulhu theory. I love the Cthulhu, the Cthulhu, theory. Cthulhu theory. And this is like Have actually... You, what about the Chupacabra one? No, well, listen, the, the Cthulhu theory, if we can suspend disbelief enough to say Cthulhu is real, this incident only happened 1,760 kilometers away from the location of the sunken city where Cthulhu was imprisoned. Can you pronounce the yeah. name of that city? Nope. Can you? I cannot. Joe? Uh, Atlantis? Nope. No. No. <laughs> no, I cannot either. I, 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 I'm no. not even sure that we're pronouncing Cthulhu correctly. <laughs> who knows? Yeah. I mean, in his language. For anybody who doesn't know, who is Cthulhu? Oh, Cthulhu is a mythical beast um, written about by H.P. Lovecraft. Okay. All right. Just yeah. want to make sure everybody gets on board so they right. know what we're talking about. And right, this isn't just some random term because we, we tend to almost do that. We do sometimes. That's true. Mm. So, you know, I think that if we can get to the point of Cthulhu is real, 
That's a totally viable theory. Because he lives, like, not very far away. He's giant. Uh-huh. Right? He could totally swim that far. It wouldn't... It would be, like, no thing for him. And, you know, he's just exploring, so... He's just checking out his hood. Yeah, and he he would definitely fit the bill of a creature that's can make that kind of noise and travel that kind of distance. Yeah, I, I, I can see this. I, I don't... I'm gonna I'm gonna sus- dis- suspend my disbelief of Cthulhu for mm-hmm. the moment and say yes, you're right. It would be a large enough creature to to get away with making that noise. So if if Cthulhu is real, it was Cthulhu, but Cthulhu isn't real, probably. Not as far as I'm aware. Unfortunately, uh, unless he is. Unless he is. Yeah, there you go. Okay, mystery solved. Cthulhu. Let's get a beer. Um, uh, so again, more. We're just going to, like, delve deeper and deeper into the weird outlandish theories. Yes. The next weird outlandish theory is mermaids. I, this, uh, can I, can I stop for a second? And just everybody, including our listeners, I was reading this story and going through this and I got so excited. I threw my arms in the air and I shouted in my house, it's Cthulhu and the Killer Mermaids. Yes. Which I think Uh, is a great band name. I think so That would be good, yeah. (laughs) So obviously, I mean, mermaid voices are kind of high pitched. You know, they had that siren song thing that they used to lure mariners to their death or something like that. I'm thinking of the sirens anyway, so I forget that. But anyway, but they don't have that, those kind of deep throaty voices. So if it they was might. mermaids, no, no, no. You only you, you have to assume, and I think this is fair, that they built an enormous gong and they were whapping it with their tails in unison. Well, so that actually yeah. is that brings up my biggest problem with the mermaid theory, aside from the like mermaids exist mm-hmm. part, right? Is that mermaids are ostensibly about human size, and if a humpback whale can't make a noise loud enough to travel more than 800 kilometers, how's a mermaid going to do it? I mean, maybe some kind Mm -hmm. of technology, but then why aren't we picking up, like, way more of these things, right? Yeah, I... So, there's there's a there's a problem with that one to me. There, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. So okay, uh, next outlandish awesome theory is that it was transdimensional travel. <laughs> oh, Somebody that again. entering or leaving our dimension deep below the sea. What 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 is that based on? I, I you know I think the the theory that if you were going to travel transdimensionally, it would rip a loud hole in whatever fabric of time space we have. And that might be a loud thing. Okay. Mm. But that's that, literally all. That's all you found. That's all I found. Did you oh find more? I'm, sort of like, I'm always like, hey, <laughs> I yeah. thought you were making that up at first. No. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Okay. So there's that. All right. Traveling a little back into the more valid theories are. Oh, there are valid theories. Well, a few. Um, that it would be what's called a USO, an unidentified submerged object. Okay. Mm. So like a UFO, right? But it's a UFO. Potentially aliens. So it could then. be of alien of nature. Okay. Or some black ops sub that we don't know about that's being tested which or something like that. Which is my next theory, which is Soviet Russia. Oh, oh, so specifically Soviet Russia. Soviet Russia. Doing what, exactly? No, I, you know, it probably wasn't Soviet Russia. It was in the 90s. Yeah, they were kind of gone we by that time. But, that. Uh, yeah. but, you know, it could have been a bomb. I mean, it probably wasn't. The analysis says it wasn't. But those people are also paid by the Navy. 
So True. they may be saying, no, it doesn't sound anything like a bomb. You guys are crazy. Mm-hmm. But it was actually a bomb detonating. That would be, you know, kind of the place in the sea where you would want to detonate a bomb. There's not a whole lot of Yeah, there's there. nothing there, really. And it yeah. freeze. Well, you know, that is one thing that our... Um our Navy, and have to assume the Soviets, or the, the Russians, excuse me, have been, have been experimenting around with is active sonar. And we've had active sonar for many decades. But submarines don't actually use it. It's been because because it gives away your position. What is active but, sonar? Well, active sonar is when whenever you're watching the movies or TV and they show a submarine and you hear that ping noise, mm-hmm. that's active sonar. And so active sonar is when you send out a burst of energy. And it can be generated by your sonar electronically or it can be generated by an explosion. They get okay. an echo that way. But active energy, and then you get a return signal, and that allows you to localize uh, you know, your opponent, another submarine. Okay. Typically, submarines don't use that. They use passive sonar, which is they only use their hydrophones. And they never use their active sonar because it will give away your position. It's like looking for somebody in a dark field in the middle of the night with a flashlight. They're going to see your flashlight long before your flashlight picks them up. And so the, the problem with passive sonar, it's been very effective. It's used not only by submarines but also by the SOSIS nets to, to detect all kinds of objects out there. But the problem is, is that submarines are getting much quieter and they're, they're not... They're now considering the problem of how do we, if they get to the point where our hydrophones can't reliably pick up enemy subs, how are we going to find them? And so they're, they're returning to the idea of active sonar. The idea would be very powerful active sonars in your own submarine or uh, an energy source that's not actually localized in your submarine that transmits a, a lot of energy and basically it's like setting off a flash, you know, like a flash bulb in a, in a huge dark room, you know, that get this big flash of energy and suddenly it's all illuminated and you can see who's there. And so they have been experimenting with this kind of stuff. So it's, it's conceivable that we're, we're talking some sort of like massive active sonar experimentation. I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah. that if that somebody just miscalculated where all these microphones were, right? Mm-hmm. They just were or like, if it well, went farther than they planned that it would be able to go. Yeah, I mean yeah. that would make sense if it if it were giant and it went off. That would hit all of those mics at about the same time. It would be really fast. Yep. Okay, I'm buying mm-hmm. into this theory. Yeah. I'm getting there. And here I thought I had it figured out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's okay. But, I mean, it's like, you know, again, it's like uh, I had no idea the exact strength of when with, the, with their active sonar experiments that the Navy has been doing, the exact strength of the signal they've been sending out. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that massive would would send, what you know, it's hard to say if you could, if there's a point to sending, sending out something that huge because after all, you know, you're not trying to identify targets a thousand miles away. Right. You know, you're, you're trying to identify targets, you know, you know, 20, 50 miles away. Sure. You know, if yeah. that even. Do you guys have any theories you want to talk about before I drop the bomb on this whole uh, thing? Hmm. No. No? All right. No, Here's my can't bomb. Think of anything else. I'm sorry to tell you I've brought a mystery that they're pretty sure is solved. They're pretty sure. They're Well, I mean, you know, I think that uh, it's these people who are in charge of these systems who people who are in charge of covering things up well if you want to go the conspiracy theorist route which at this podcast we try to keep an open mind to all possibilities yeah you know Mm. the people who are telling us what has happened here are also the people who are in charge of telling us everything that's happening and the navy's paying them and intelligence agencies are paying them and 
So, so um, there could be a fingering the pie be, issue. There could be, you know, as Joe was just saying, it could have been a massive sonar blast, something like that. But there's this guy named Robert Dizek. He's a um, seismologist at the Oregon State University, but he also works for the NOAA. Okay. And he said the bloop was an ice quake. An, an ice, ice quake. quake? Yeah. Is that like so? Is it like the, uh, instead of tectonic sheets shifting, it's ice sheets shifting mm-hmm. and grinding against one another? Yep. Oh, okay. So an ice quake. And here's the thing: is that Julia was an iceberg that ran aground in Antarctica. Uh, the train was probably generated by a really large iceberg grounding in the Ross Sea. The slowdown was moving ice in Antarctica. The whistle's hard. It was detected off, you know, kind of more in the northern Pacific area, and they don't have an ice-related theory for it. Although we were listening to it, and it it just does kind of sound like wind, like a high current or something Mm -hmm. like that. Although one would assume that this is what these people listen to all the time if it were just a current. They would know how to eliminate that. The upsweep, it turns out, uh, they hear a lot, and it's seasonal, and they think it's ice melt. Ah. All right, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and rail against this because yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. All but one of these so far that we've gone over were all detected in the southern hemisphere, right? Yeah. Okay. Do Sosis is in the northern hemisphere as it's well, all right? Over, yeah. And we only heard these things so far. It's about five six times. Mm-hmm. But icebergs do stuff, and ice shifts constantly, so why have we not heard these before and continue to hear them, and why aren't they in the north? Yeah. So that, yeah. that's that's my problem, because I read the, I read the ice theory, and, and it, it was, okay, it's justifiable. It makes sense. I can, I can see it being a viable solution, except... It only happens in one hemisphere, and it's only been recorded in these couple of times. But you know, I don't. You know, that's a, that's a valid point. But you know, you don't know exactly which arrays researchers have been granted access to. Maybe not necessarily all of them. Oh and wait, so researchers don't have access to everything that SOSIS picks up? Is that correct? It's my impression is that they do have access to all of that stuff. But I will say that apparently. That they have picked up sounds really spectrographically similar to the bloop. Okay. Not quite as loud, mm-hmm. but similar in their range and tone and all that stuff. You know, they've been doing this constantly. I mean, you know, in, the, in 2000, they picked one up that was near Georgia, and they actually got to watch the iceberg, like, sink into right where the array was. And, you know, they seem to kind of be picking this stuff up. The only thing is, is that the magnitude is ginormous compared to what they pick up usually. And, you know, maybe it was just a really big iceberg. I guess I could see if it was a series of abnormally warm seasons and things are starting to shear for some, and I hate to say it, but global warming is the term everybody throws out. But mm-hmm. if there's some temperature fluctuations going on, and okay, I, I can see that being possible, but it just still seems weird to me that we suddenly had so many in such a short period of time and they've never really heard it before. That's, but, you know, that's it a would big take- question mark for me. 
You know, I, I, but if you, if you think about a large number of arrays and, and massive amounts of years of data, and you have to sift through the data because this is not something that the Navy's not going to pick this stuff up probably because they're not listening at these incredibly low frequencies. Mm-hmm. You know, they're listening for the sounds of submarines and stuff like that. So it might be the stuff that's been going on for years and, and the Navy guys who've been listening to it for all this time haven't really picked up on it because they're not really interested in those frequencies. And, you know, I'm about to ask something really horribly silly, but when did the Cold War finally end? Uh, 1989, I think. was. So in the first sound that we have that was recorded was in 1991, Uh which would have been about when they were getting around to actually getting to use these arrays, right? That's and yeah and and I mean you know the war doesn't end and then immediately they're like actually let's give the scientists all this data you know it takes a year or two well yeah but it, it's uh, it all ha- all this has happened around the you know the turn of the century and we uh, is there any more that they've talked about that have happened in recent years nope. And maybe that's because they haven't had enough time to sift through all that data, as yeah. Joe was saying. But mm, I still, data, but. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to sound, you know, as if I'm throwing a conspiracy. But it just, it seems hinky to me that that's the exact answer that we've got. Yeah, I agree. The thing to add on to that is that this guy, Doctor Fox, right? He said, "Yeah, it was, it was an ice quake," and then he said, "Oh no, actually, it's a, it's an animal," and then. A bunch of other people were like, no, it was an ice quake. No, it was totally an ice quake. No, mm. dude, dude, it's an ice quake. Do you so, think, uh, oh, go ahead. Who knows what they're... I, is it possible that, that Dr. Fox and all these other people are servants of Cthulhu? <laughs> and yeah, Maybe. they're helping in the cover-up. It yeah. could be the Cthulhu cover-up. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Well, yeah. uh, I would, yeah, but my yeah, my, my answer to your to, to which is is a valid point that you make. But my answer would be that it's just they haven't maybe gotten around to sifting through that data yet, and they might not have been given access to some of the northern hydrophone networks too. That's my big yeah. question. Yeah, uh, you and, don't know what you don't know what networks they've been allowed to get data from. And you're right. Yeah. You're you're right on that. It just still, like I said, something smells a tad off and. Mm. And I'm not saying that it's not the right answer. It just, not everything's there for me to put the puzzle together. I agree with you. I'm I'm not convinced. I absolutely agree. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure at least one of our listeners is, uh, you know, working for the Navy and listening on the the SOSIS network. So, you know, if you know what SOSIS arrays uh, civilians are being allowed access to and which ones they're not, please clue us in. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. We'll we'll, we'll be giving you our, our email at the end of the show. That seems like a perfect segue to me, unless anybody else has anybody else anything else to say oh uh, no. no well then if you do have that information please email us at thinking sideways podcast at gmail.com visit our website thinking sideways podcast.com you can find links to this story um, any additional information we feel like providing you with you can leave us a comment and of course, you can listen to us on the website. Uh, you're probably listening to us on iTunes, but we're on Stitcher now, so definitely give that a check. If you're on the go, you don't feel like downloading it or whatever. You know, you can stream it straight through your Stitcher app. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm thrilled. Yeah, so thanks for listening. Let us know if you have anything you want to tell us or if you have any ideas for shows because we love suggestions. Yes. Yes. We do love the listener suggestions. Yeah. And if you have top secret underwater, you know, hydrophone network information for us, please send it along. And keep blooping. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. Good night. Bye.
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.